Friday morning lights. Long fly ball to center. Going, going, gone! No! Shot! Score! Good morning, sports fans. Ryland Turner here, joined as always by Kyle Joseph for the Friday Morning Lights Year in Review edition. Kyle, it's the holiday season. It's upon us. It came real quick this year. 2023 blew past crazily, and we have a lot to talk about on this edition of Friday Morning Lights. How are you off the hop? Uh, I'm doing all right. It, this is going to be a very busy show. There's a lot to touch on, but I'm pretty excited to talk about some of the stuff. Yes. And as uh, anyone who listens to this show knows, this is the show where I'm quiet and Kyle, he goes on. He goes on and he goes on. So, Kyle, what are we starting with in the year of review of 2023 in sports? Well, we've got to talk about the champions, first of all, some of the big winners of this particular year. We'll go through the the big four North American sports first to, in something of an order. First thing that happened in the year in February, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. This was a really good game. Yes. Yes, it was. It was a football, not often do I sit down to watch a football game and am as enamored with just the game itself because the game can be a blowout. And a lot of the times, that's what it is. And Super Bowls especially, a lot of the times, it's blowouts. And this wasn't. This was a tight game. No. This one ended up being a very, very close battle between two very, very good teams. It was very back and forth, uh, up and down. A lot of questions as to who was going to come out ahead. Full credit to the Eagles for playing a heck of a game, but ultimately, Patrick Mahomes won Super Bowl MVP. He had a great game. Jalen Hurts also had a very, very good game. So this was a battle between two elite quarterbacks and two elite teams that as we've seen going on to next season, have really carried it on and are probably the two favorites to go back to this game. Absolutely. Both teams have been playing phenomenally this season. Well, Kansas has had its ups and downs. <laughs> um, but uh, no, you're right. They're, they're definitely the two favorites looking at it right now to head back to the Super Bowl. But yeah, it's, it's an exciting time in football. Kansas, how long did I wait, Kyle? How long have I been a Kansas City fan? Uh, quite a while. I didn't have Patrick Mahomes when I was young. No, I didn't uh, have Travis Kelsey. They were they've been a, they've been a struggling franchise for a long time, and now they're they're in a really good spot. And it's you know Patrick Mahomes is just another tier of quarterback. Absolutely. Stanley Cup playoffs happened, and this was a chaotic playoff where the, a lot of the top teams got knocked out pretty quickly. Colorado and Boston were both eliminated in the first round after very, very impressive seasons. Ultimately, it came down to the powerhouse Vegas versus the surprise Florida Panthers. And the Vegas Golden Knights ended up victorious in this in a very quick five-game series. Not a lot to say about this. Ultimately, this Vegas Golden Knights team has been built incredibly well from the start. And they were chasing after a trophy and getting so close and just wanting to push that little bit more. But they finally were able to get over the hump and come away with the title. So that is was big news for them. Absolutely. And, uh, 
sorry. First sports championship to go to Vegas. And I imagine there will be more to come in the future for sure. Yeah, I was, that was the point I was about to make is, uh, keep your eye on Vegas unless you're a Raiders fan. Um, Mm. (laughs) no, like, I mean, let's talk about it. Like the Vegas Golden Knights have not been a team in the NHL for very long and they've been able to build a team a year in and year out that has been competitive. I don't think they've missed the playoffs yet. Have they? No, I don't believe so. So, and, and within, within their first season, they were able to get into the Stanley cup finals. Now they finally made it and got that cup. Um, I I do want to talk a little bit about the, the Florida Panthers, um, just walloping teams throughout this playoff run. Uh, they were the ones that took down the Bruins, correct? They did. did. Yeah. And the Bruins, didn't they have a series? Yes. And didn't the Bruins come into the playoffs with like the best record in the NHL of all time or something yes, like that? They were the president's trophy winners. I believe they set the points record at 135. Insanity. Insanity. But I'm not a Bruins fan. So all the power to Florida. I loved seeing Florida take them out. I loved seeing those Maple Leaf fans chant, ah, we want Florida. And in my head, I went, no, you fucking don't. Look what they just did to Boston. And they and- didn't. They, they rolled Toronto, and that's the thing. They kept seeming to get better as the series went on, as the playoffs went on. They rolled over Toronto, was not really a competitive series, and then they swept Carolina, who was red hot going to that point as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, honestly one of the more exciting NHL playoff uh, uh, NHL playoffs in a long time, and this year looks like it could be just the same. So looking forward to a, a full, complete season in the NHL. NBA playoffs happened, and this was a very interesting one because we saw some surprises. We saw the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors survive the first round. The Lakers made it all the way to the conference finals. Miami Heat, who finished in having to get a playoff game to make their or their playing game to make their way in, they ended up winning all the way to the final and defeated some very good teams along the way, beat Milwaukee handily and uh, took down Boston, the conference finals before running into an absolute juggernaut in the Denver Nuggets who are your champions for the 2023 NBA playoffs. It was good to see them find Nikola Jokic finally get over the hump. Right. And, just how efficiently and dominant that team was throughout that series. They had great play from a number of different players. Jamal Murray was excellent. Michael Porter Jr. did his job, but Aaron Corden even had a big game and contribution. But ultimately, this series was about Nikola Jokic and his dominant reign in the NBA. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, NBA playoffs were... What they were, it, it almost seemed like this was definitely going into it, the Nuggets season, and they 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 went and did it. So what are your thoughts going in, like as this season's played out so far? Do, do they look like a favorite to defend? Do they look like a favorite to defend? Yeah, kind of, yeah. It's 
they're still a very complete team. Now, I don't know that they're going to be able to get the same performance out of their other, their secondary players. And I do think that the league has expanded in parity. I think there are some very good teams in the East, like Boston is a very, very well-built team. Yeah. Philadelphia is having a great season to start the year. Milwaukee's always a threat. And even the West, there's, you know, Phoenix is going to be there. I think they're, they've been struggling a little bit, but they're going to be there, you know, competitive in the end. They've got a lot of talent. The Clippers are trying to make a push. Their record isn't reflective of how much talent they have, but it comes down to whether or not you can bring it together. Miami showed you there is a path to success, even if you don't necessarily have a great deal of success up until that point. Yeah. And the third championship going to a team winning their first title. The Vegas Golden Knights obviously won their first title in their sixth year of competition. And then, of course, the Denver Nuggets winning their first championship, joining the pantheon of NBA teams that have won an NBA championship and freeing themselves from the, the gutters of the many, many that have yet to. But one of the last teams in baseball left to win a championship, they won their first, the Texas Rangers, who had a great playoffs, showed off their hitting ability, got enough pitching to get through it, beats in a playoffs that was just filled with surprise. They made it over their state rivals in the Houston Astros in seven in the ALCS, and then beat the Arizona Diamondbacks in five games, I believe, to win the World Series. Just an impressive run. I mentioned when we did this, covered this before, Bruce Bochy winning his fourth championship as a coach. Just an all-time great MLB manager. And kudos to Texas. Loathe though I am to admit it, they had an amazing season. Absolutely. And I think they earned the World Series for sure. 100%. So those are the, the championships. I, I guess that's the, the thing that to, to ask about those, the four, is which one, I guess, surprised you the most? It's interesting. Um, I would probably say Texas, just because baseball is such a wide open sport, especially in the postseason, that it, it truly can come down to some great pitching and some great batting. Not to say that not to take anything away from their season because they had good bats all season, as we talked about. And while the pitching looked a little bit whatever going into the postseason, it obviously did just fine for them. And that last year or the series with uh the Astros was incredible. So I um I definitely have to say that uh, I would I, I would put Texas in my most surprised. What about you? I think I'm in the same place. I think Vegas to me is a little bit of a surprise as well, though they you know they were just so oh well oh, machine throughout the playoffs. But yeah, I think that ultimately Denver was the best team, and to see them victorious was not horribly surprising. Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes, and you can never be shocked at Patrick Mahomes winning the Super Bowl. Frankly, based on his play alone in Super Bowls, he should have three rings. True. Absolutely. And that, but ultimately the Texas Rangers, I think it was just, it was surprising to see the Texas Rangers, but I don't know that I wouldn't have been somewhat surprised by any team that wasn't maybe Atlanta. And this, but once this playoffs, you know, got really going, it was shocker after shocker. And the big teams started to fall like dominoes and it became a complete and total chaos playoff. Absolutely. 
we had the World Baseball Classic happen at the beginning of this year in, in March. And for the first time in quite a while, the United States really seemed to get into this tournament. They ended up making it all the way to the finals where they ran into a truly dominant Japan team that did not lose the whole, the whole tournament and ultimately took down the United States in an incredible game of baseball with Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout for the final out just to sort of nail down the magnitude of the the situation. Uh, and it was really everything that the World Baseball Classic, the MLB hoped the World Baseball Classic would be, I feel like this is the year that delivered. Absolutely. 100%. Like, uh, this was on everywhere. Like, people mm-hmm. were really paying attention to it this year, whereas I feel like in years past, like, it's not been as big of a deal as it was this year. Well, and that's the thing that's important to remember about it. It has always been a big deal for the other countries around the world. It was really just North America that didn't get into it in the same way. Like in Japan, I think the last or this tournament, I think a third of all televisions in Japan were tuned into the final. That's insanity. Like it was, I mean, that's just, and you talked about other countries, uh, countries is sort of a a bit of an interesting term when I talk about Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico, Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, the amount of passion that comes in with this tournament every year, South Korea and Japan and their longstanding rivalry. This is, this is definitely a group of teams that have shown themselves to be very passionate about this tournament. And it was good to see that carry over. I was excited to see how much people got how many uh how much people got into this tournament and I'm looking forward to seeing next iteration 2026. Absolutely. Hopefully Canada is in it. It does appear that they will be. That's good news. Moving along. Uh we want to talk about all-time dominant teams. The BCS championship this past season was the end of the college football playoff. And yeah, this was a dominant performance by the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, somewhere right now, Nate Milton is smiling proudly. Yep. 100%. And the Georgia Bulldogs win the national championship game by a score of 65 to 7 over TCU, who stunned everybody to make it into that, into the game in the first place. But then Georgia just fully ran them over. Absolutely. And it was impressive to see. Stetson Bennett getting his second championship. Them really, they've really now rounded into form as a force to be reckoned with in college football. In a way, for a long time, Georgia fans were, you know, they were certainly little brothered quite a lot by some of the other teams, particularly Alabama in the SEC. And 
this season, unlike last year, where last year they lost the SEC championship to Alabama and ended up getting their revenge, this year it just felt like everything came together and Georgia managed to get the championship. They're looking like another strong team this season. They're still ranked number one. They're still undefeated. So it wouldn't be shocking to see them come back into this college football playoff this this upcoming season. Yeah. We will move along. One dominant performance deserves us talking about another. How about this Formula One season? If last season wasn't the season of Max, this one certainly is. We have come to the end of the Formula One season. Max Verstappen had locked it up long ago. There are 22 races in the calendar season for the Formula One year. Max won the first. Uh, Checo, Sergio Perez, his teammate, won the second. Max won the third. Sergio Perez won the fourth. Then Max won a whole bunch from 5 to 14. He won 10 in a row. Carlos Sainz ended up getting the victory in Singapore. And then Max won all the rest of them. Max Verstappen's season finishes with him winning 19 races, coming in second in two and in fifth once. Insanity. This guy is arguably one of the best drivers of all time. It's amazing. Lewis Hamilton, and this is just how dominant one person happened to be in the season. Lewis Hamilton finished in third in the season and did not win a race. Yeah. It was him, Fernando Alonso, who was fourth, Charles Leclerc, who was fifth, and Lando Norris, who was sixth. None of them got a race win. Sergio Perez, what's fascinating about him is that he finished in second by a pretty considerable margin, but not enough of a margin that it feels like his seat is safe. And that is the silly season of Formula One. Oh, it's going to be entertaining to talk about it come uh, the off season. Yeah, next year is set to be another exciting one. We will get back to that for sure as the season kicks off in March. But yeah, and also... uh fun new thing that happened in Formula One. There was a race in Las Vegas for the first time. They had a, a circuit on the Vegas Strip. Shut down a lot of the city, but yeah, it seemed to work. People seemed to be happy with it, so yeah. Vegas, there you go. Man, Vegas. Now they got the A's. Do we look out for the A's now, or what? Oh, I guess we can get to that, because I didn't really mention that. I forgot to. It has been confirmed that the Oakland Athletics are going to be moving to Las Vegas, whether or not they'll keep the athletics team name remains to be seen. God, I however, hope so. God, I hope so. However, that stadium is not going to be ready for several years. It is probably conservatively the 2026 or maybe 2027 season when they would be moving to Vegas. So what happens till then? They just continue to spiral in Oakland? Pretty much. There's, they're going to exist in Oakland, which is difficult. For every sports team. 
apparently. And they're trying to, and that's the other problem, is this is hoping, they're hoping that 2024 will be their last year in Oakland. And then they need to figure out where to play after that. Because it won't be Vegas, because Vegas will not have that stadium ready in time. I bet Montreal. I bet Montreal would be a good spot. Uh, they're probably going to float it between a few places. It's going to be a mess. Yeah, I don't doubt that. And shame to the Oakland fans. It, they did not deserve this happening. And it's just because basically all that's going to happen is the owner is moving into Vegas so that he can add value to the team and then basically cash out by selling the team. And that's all it is, is it comes down to money. Oh, yeah. We'll get back to money in a moment, but I do want to highlight something that happened over the course of the summer, which was the Women's World Cup. FIFA Women's World Cup happened this year. And it was a pretty exciting tournament. A lot of surprising teams. A final four of teams that we were all considering as, you know, strong competitors, but... I don't know that anybody was thinking that Spain was going to be the team to win their first championship. And good on them. They had a they had an amazing tournament, had a finishing victory over England in the final. Australia and New Zealand played fantastic hosts of this tournament as well. The North American teams, Canada, got knocked out in the group stage, which was shocking. And then the United States didn't last very long in the knockout round. They were beaten by Sweden in penalties in the round of 16. Yay. So fair play to some of these other countries for getting that opportunity to and pushing their way through. The host Australia ended up making it all the way to the semifinals, losing that to England. But yeah, congrats to Spain. And uh, Aitana uh, Konka, I don't know, this, this got this, getting this wrong. Yes, Aitana Bonmati, who is the golden ball for the tournament, was the, the best player uh, of the entire tournament, had a really impressive, like, I mean, all across the Spanish team, they had a number of impressive players, but... Good on Spain for for pulling through with the with the victory, and yeah, even sadly, even in the women's World Cup, England is not going to be able to bring it home. So, uh, more heartbreak for England in in, in soccer. What else is new? It's sad, isn't it, bruv? Oh dear. Um. So now we have to talk about money. Money, money, money. And means we have to talk about in the world of sports. If we're talking about money, it means we have to talk about Saudi Arabia. So, Live Golf, as we had touched on earlier, had broken away from the PGA sort of sphere of influence and try, recruited a number of prominent golfers to move on to go to a different league and try this different system backed by the public investment fund that is in Saudi Arabia and the PGA tour kind of balked at this new league. A number of their players 
had multi-million dollar offers floated their way and refused to take it and spoke out against this. The PGA was furious about having these golfers come and golf in their tournaments. They would not allow it. They'd have to revoke their tour cards. They didn't want them in the majors, but the majors aren't controlled by the PGA. So uh, they basically told them to kick rocks. And so it was this chaotic scene and then in June, the public investment fund came to an agreement with the PGA Tour and Live Golf all sort of working cooperatively. And the European Tour got in on this with uh, Saudi money being heavily involved in this new endeavor. And everyone who had said bad things now had to sort of walk back their words. And it was just. Wild. Live golf is going to probably continue to be a thing. What that's going to mean remains to be seen for the 2024 season. But yeah, it does seem like t- with the PGA now, you know, with the backing of the Saudi money, I think they're hoping that they're going to expand the pools for tournaments. I think the PGA is trying to get more prestige onto itself because golf's prestige events are still, you know, the majors. But at a cost. At, at quite a cost. <laughs> it's always quite a cost. And speaking of a cost and people taking money, the Saudi Pro League, the soccer league, football, as it were, in Saudi Arabia, they basically made the decision that they were just going to supercharge this thing and throw a bunch of money at it, which they did. And bringing in a number of top players, the biggest two being Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Neymar, who are making ungodly sums of money to hundreds of millions of dollars to make the trip over to Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia, the public investment fund owns four teams in the league. They have primary ownership of four teams in the league. That's it's this ridiculous. <laughs> and that has led to a major bidding war where a number of European players who some of them are, you know, a bit tending to be more towards the back end of their careers, ended up getting some massive paydays. Kareem Benzema, uh, Riyad Mahrez, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, Jack Henderson, all ended up in the Saudi Pro League. And now they're playing in a league that is odd. There are some big games King Abdullah Sports City, the largest stadium, which is the home for Al Ali. Uh, King Fahd International Stadium, the home of Al Halal. These big stadiums uh, have had a number of fans showing up to these games to watch the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, to watch the likes of Neymar come through. And then there are games that are attended by maybe a couple thousand people. 
And that's the dichotomy of this top-level league, is that there is a wide disparity between the top teams and the others. Right. And we'll see what ends up happening with it, but this has been an odd year thus far. And Saudi Arabia seems to be making a push to be heavily involved in the world of football. Which leads us to talking about the 2030 World Cup. As you may know, the 2026 World Cup will be taking place in 2026, primarily in the United States, with matches also taking place in Mexico and in Canada. With Toronto and Vancouver are going to host some matches. Uh, there's a couple cities in Mexico that will be hosting some matches. We haven't determined where the finals are going to be yet, but all three have already qualified for the World Cup. It is expanding to 48 teams, which is a whole other kettle of fish. But the three co-hosts will be there. The FIFA World Cup for 2030. There were two bids that were put in that seemed to have the most prominent um, push, I suppose. The most likelihood, the greatest likelihood of being the winning bid. There was a bid that was Portugal and Spain put in a bid initially. That bid was eventually joined by Morocco. And Morocco being in Africa, but very, very close to Spain, just a clot across the Strait of Gibraltar. And so not, not a great distance from them. The three countries are all very close together, but they are technically on separate continents. Then there was a bid put in by Uruguay, Paraguay, and Argentina. The reason that Uruguay in particular wanted to put in this bid is this will be the 100th anniversary of the first World Cup in 1930, which was hosted and won by Uruguay. Now, Uruguay doesn't have enough stadiums remotely to meet the demands of FIFA, which is to have... I believe not at least nine stadiums of a 40,000 capacity, which for a nation the size of Uruguay is an absurd ask. So they were joined by a couple of other countries who also would have had to build some extra stadiums. It would have required infrastructure for both of them, and it would have been a bit chaotic. But they managed to put this bid together. And FIFA looked at both bids and kind of gave it to both of them. So here's what's going to happen. Most of the World Cup will be taking place in Portugal, Spain, and Morocco. However, there will be a game, a group stage game, three group stage games happening in South America, one in Argentina, one in Uruguay, and one in Paraguay, at which point those teams will fly across the Atlantic Ocean to one of Spain, Portugal, and Morocco to finish out their group stage whereupon the rest of the tournament will take place in this. If you think that's a ridiculous thing for them to do and it makes no sense, that's true, but it's FIFA, and there's always a reason for FIFA doing what they do. The 2034 World Cup. A number of bids were put in, but it ended up being withdrawn. And the reason that the 2034 World Cup is important when we talk about the 2030 World Cup is because of FIFA's rule that you cannot have a World Cup back-to-back -back or even 
two World Cups away from another World Cup that has taken place in the same continent. So, 2076 World Cup is in North America, so no North American team or no North American country could bid for the World Cup. And frankly, none would aside from the three that got it. Right. So, it wouldn't make sense for anybody else to bid for that. So, North America was completely out. Europe is now in Spain and Portugal in 2030. So, they can't bid for a World Cup. Africa has Morocco, a part of that bid. So they can't bid for the World Cup. And South America has commemorative games for the 2030 World Cup. So none of those countries can bid for the World Cup either, which conveniently just leaves Asia. Isn't that really convenient? Yeah, awfully convenient. And then a number of bids were put together, but all of them were withdrawn. And the only bid left standing happens to be Saudi Arabia. So I guess FIFA has no choice but to twit the tournament in Saudi Arabia. The Qatar one, if that one made you uncomfortable. The Saudi one is definitely going to, it's going to go over the moon in uncomfortability. Let us, speaking of, the Saudis are putting their foot down and insisting this tournament is happening in summer. Oh, God. So look forward to uh, trips to Saudi Arabia in July and August with consistent uh, 40 degree or for the American viewers, 100 plus degree heat on the daily. Conditions that are not conducive to football, which will mean that they'll need to put in absurdly expensive cooling systems to make those stadiums playable for football, which not only is going to have a comical environmental impact, which, by the way, FIFA put an environmental impact study together for Qatar, and the Qataris have followed absolutely none of it after the tournament. Oh, my God. And on top of the transatlantic flights that are happening in the middle of the tournament. This is chaos. Then 2030? Like... FIFA is, they got rid of Sepp Blatter and we, and people thought that that was going to end their corruption. If anything, it just ramped it up. They, they have power. They've supercharged corruption to a hilarious degree. The Saudis, by the way, have been having a lot of deals. Their football associations had a lot of deals with smaller countries uh, to give them some funding. And isn't it great that they're cooperating with, with so much of the world for and expecting nothing in return? So that's the, so that's the sports world. Speaking of Saudi Arabia in a sort of backhanded way, another thing that has been happening, or that is surprising news, I guess not surprising, but big news in the wrestling world this year was the purchase of WWE. Right. WWE is now owned by TKO, who are the owners of the UFC. I guess they were formerly Endeavor, were they not? Yes, they were formerly Endeavor. Uh, they have now changed is TKO Group Holdings, which... This is uh, formerly Zufa as well, was what the, the UFC was kind of under that brand. Now that is what is happening. And Endeavor owns 51% of TKO, which is the, which is now the, so that's the, 
and let's go back in this. Endeavor is the company that owns all of this. TKO is the new holding company for which WWE and UFC set. Right. So the UFC, uh, so WWE is now under the ownership of the owners of the UFC of Ari Emanuel and that group of people, which has led to some changes. Not a ton has changed for WWE to this point, though they are negotiating some larger TV deals. They have more TV deals coming up too. Right. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of negotiation happening with that. Vince McMahon, who was hoping to get, I think, more of an active role in the company post-sale, is been shuffled into much more of a business role than a wrestling role. Triple H has kind of assumed the helm of creative and is holding it in permanence. It didn't it seem seemed- like that off the hop, though. There was no. definitely there was definitely some Vinceisms, but I think, like, look, like, uh, while these are all terrible people, I'm sure because they're billionaires. And mm-hmm. that just seems to be the way that it goes. Um, Ari Emanuel has really kind of kept Vince out of the, the weeds, so to speak. Now, Vince still is the executive chairman of TKO. Right. So he's not completely out of everything, but he is much more on the business side. He seems to be doing deals with the Saudis as well for uh, UFC events. Yeah. As, as the stories go, which is its own kind of fish, but that's fair enough. That seems to be where the money is heading right now. Um, or flowing from, I should say. So WWE is now under this new ownership. It's still a very much a time will tell what this deal ends up meaning for WWE. It has meant that NXT has a new home on, on TV. That's right. They're going to be moving to the CW next September. Yep. Which is, I, that's, that's, I think that's a good good thing for nxt honestly it's a big money deal it allows them even more opportunity to continue to build and grow and give tv time to their younger competitors which they have put together a pretty good pipeline at this point where they are getting young wrestlers ready for the wwe system right and some of the impressive matches that they've we've seen in NXT and you know a lot of wrestlers some of whom don't have a lot of pro wrestling experience in advance of their WWE careers seem to be doing quite well so kudos to them for that still not really watching WWE at this point but you know it's better than it was i suppose you tune into the big shows that's what's important so Another piece of information that, or another thing is sort of happening ongoing as we are talking about this, and time will tell what ends up happening at the end of this. I think this will be a tune back into the show in January. The NBA in season tournament is currently happening. This is the first time that the NBA is doing an in season tournament. They are trying to generate some more buzz in the early parts of the NBA season. The tournament. It is part of regular season games. The knockout rounds will also be considered to be league games. Right. Only the semifinals and finals are going to be non-NBA games, and the winners of the tournament will uh, receive some cash prizes. 
basically, this is their way of trying to add some more competition in these early days before the end of the football season, which really marks when NBA gets supercharged. So they're trying to drum up interest. I don't know that this really hit with the fans the way that they were hoping it would. And I think time will tell what they can do to try to drum up interest in this, whether it be change the stakes, whether it be reduce the NBA season and sort of build this into the, the yearly plans, whether it be, yeah, change the stakes, tying a draft compensation to this or some other perk. Time will tell. But as it stands right now, or guaranteeing a playoff spot of some kind, but as it stands right now, this is more of a tester idea than it is one fully formed, but time will tell. I think once the semifinals and finals happen, we can get a better assessment as to whether or not this worked. But the NBA seems committed to trying to do it, so good on them, I guess. We will see how things go once we get to the end in Las Vegas. Absolutely. Rylan. Were there any other sports stories that you wanted to talk about coming out of this 2023 year? I'm trying to think if we covered everything. I'm pretty sure we did. Um, uh, what happened in curling this year, Kyle? Oh, that's actually that's interesting. So curling, the curling season did end up uh, being pretty exciting. The World Women's Championships happened. And the winners, as it often seems to be the case, is was the Swiss team skipped by Silvana Tiranzoni. At the Women's World Championships, the Swiss have won. I'm trying to get the actual count for this because they've won so many of, of the last uh, several tournaments at this point. Uh, yes, the Swiss have won four, the last four tournaments. And seven of the last nine. Jesus. Okay. So the Tiranzoni got on to curling. Oh, yes. And the women's curling team, uh, Tiranzoni and her fourth, the person who actually throws the last rocks on the team, Elena Pitts, are two of the best curlers in the world. This team is a juggernaut. And we will see if they can carry it forward. They have been continued to be dominant. They were not able to win the gold medal at the Olympics, so I imagine that's going to be what they're pushing towards this upcoming season. In men's curling, the reign of Nicholas Adin ended. He had won four tournaments in a row up until this point. And instead, Brad Gushu, who, he lo- lo- who lost him in the final last year, made it to the final again, but it was Scotland who were the champions, and the winning skip, Bruce Mallett, finally winning his first world championship. He'd been knocking on the door for a few years. He's only 29. He's still very young, but silver medal at Beijing in one of the best curling games of all time, the final where he lost to a Dean in the gold medal game. He won a silver medal in Calgary a couple of years ago in the world championships has been a European champion before, but now finally broke through to win the World Men's Curling Championship and is uh, the first openly gay curler to have won it. No hate. So congrats on Bruce Mallett and his team. Um, his Leeds son, uh, or his Leeds uh, is named Hammy McMillan Jr. He is the son of a former world champion, Hammy McMillan, who curled while I uh, 
I remember watching curling as a kid. So yeah, it's cool to see some of these younger curlers coming up and Scotland continuing to have a strong presence, especially in the men's game right now with their top uh, women's competitor, Eve Muirhead having retired after winning her gold medal at the last Olympics. Um, I wonder what that household was like. I wonder if it's the same thing as like being a baseball player or a hockey player or a football player. He's just a tough dad who just smokes cigarettes and drinks and goes, throw the rocks. It's hard to say it, truly. I don't know what the, what the situation was with, with regards to that, but yeah, this it's a, it's an interesting, it's, it's cool to see these, uh, these younger teams coming up and, and winning these types of events. Absolutely. I think that's it, though, man. I think we've wrapped the year in the in sports. Yeah, it does seem that way. I'm glad to have been able to do this, and we're going to be back in the coming January mm-hmm. with more sports shows and more sports stories. I think the January episode will have some news. We'll probably do a review of the NFL season, particularly for the teams who did not make it to the playoffs at that point. We will also be getting into some more off-season stuff. We'll have the NBA tournament, in-season tournament for you. Absolutely. So lots to talk about. Yes. Uh, before we get out of here, I do want to make mention that uh, Amazon Music is featuring us in their indie podcast amplifier section of their podcast section right now. And right now, if you go to Amazon Music, you can get a three-month trial for $0 down. So do that. Check us out on Amazon Music, especially this month. We want to we wanna give, them, give back to them as much as they've given to us and featuring us in their collection of podcasts. So big thanks to Amazon Music and... Uh, Kyle, why don't you send the people home happy? Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the episode and all the way to the end of the year. We appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been lit. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at RylanWallop, and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.